You're listening to Law Talk with Bill Powers, your resource for answers to your most pressing legal questions. Attorney Bill Powers sits down with some of today's leading legal minds to discuss everything from legal issues and legislation to practice tips and policy. Now, here's your host, an NBTA board-certified criminal law specialist, former president of the North Carolina Advocates for Justice and renowned trial lawyer, Bill Powers. Hello, and thank you once again for listening to our podcast, Law Talk with Bill Powers. We've recently increased the number of podcast listening options available to you. We're available now on Spotify, Stitcher, Libsyn, Apple Podcasts, Radio.com, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. If you have topics of interest or suggestions for guests, please feel free to email or call us at 704-342-HELP. That's 704 704- 342-4357. And if you enjoy our humble little educational podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you tell your friends and family to Google Law Talk with Bill Powers. In discussing developing trends in the law and topics of interest, our continued goal on Law Talk is to provide helpful information about the practice of law in North Carolina, our courts, and of course our court system, as well as the thoughts and policies behind those laws. To say things have changed during the coronavirus would be an understatement. The question is, will things ever return to normal, whatever that now means? We are now on the front end of historic and unprecedented times civically in our courts and professionally as attorneys engaged in the practice and the business of law. While these times can be unsettling, if not downright disturbing, there are some positives. There exist opportunities to change, to develop, and to grow both personally and professionally. This morning, our guest on Charlotte, uh, is Charlotte attorney Chris Connolly, my longtime friend and fellow advocate for justice. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Bill. Glad to have you. Glad to be here. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Chris, thank you so much for grace, graciously joining us. I appreciate your willingness to share 30-plus years of your institutional knowledge and learning. It's frankly invaluable. The older I get and the longer I practice law, the more I appreciate the insights and experiences of other attorneys. We all have room to grow professionally. If you are not developing and growing, I personally believe you lose relevance. Law is one profession that you can continue to work well into old age. That is, if you have the fire and the passion uh, and that, that both still exist. I personally firmly believe whatever you do as an attorney, it not just should be not should be, but must be predicated on an overwhelming desire to help people. Chris Connolly is a lawyer's lawyer in my mind. He possesses decades of practical legal experience gathered from years of running a busy litigation law practice and occasionally duking it out in court. Chris's office is in Mecklenburg County in Charlotte. He focuses on criminal defense legal issues. In fact, he is a recognized specialist in the state of North Carolina Uh, for North Carolina State Criminal Defense by the North Carolina State Bar. I first met Chris when he was an assistant public defender. Uh, Chris opened his own practice in uh, private practice in 1997, and he is a stalwart advocate uh, practicing in Mecklenburg County Courthouse. Both separately and collectively, we have seen a lot of water go under the proverbial bridge in court. We together have seen Charlotte grow and change We've seen a lot of lawyers and judges and prosecutors and police officers and political agendas come and go. Through it all, in my humble opinion, 
Chris has always been dedicated to helping and developing fellow practitioners, that is, lawyers. Lately, relatively speaking, he has begun sharing his insights with attorneys by professional law coaching through an organization he founded called Chris Connolly Coaching. Frankly, I think uh, Connolly Coaching is a natural fit and transition for Chris. Uh, For years, Chris has always generously shared his experiences and knowledge with others. I've always enjoyed talking to him about his perspectives. Chris Connolly holds a certification as a master level coach. Going into his third decade of professional life, Chris is now branching out into coaching and consulting with other professionals, small business owners, and entrepreneurs. Having learned a lot of things the hard way, I assume, he is focusing on what he knows best, uh, work-life balance, career transition, staff retention, and business development. Chris, did I get it mostly right? You got it exactly right. Great, great. Well, jumping right in and, and preparing for this podcast, I'd like to do a little research um, uh, on people. And, and even though I've known you forever, something that really stood out to me that I think is, is really interesting is the fact that you took a step back. You took a professional sabbatical. Can, tell me about that. that. That was, I did that back uh, four years ago, summer of 2016, and I took off three months. I, um, it was pro- it was the best thing I could have ever done at that time. As a matter of fact, I wish I'd done it a whole lot earlier. I got to do everything I ever wanted to do. I got to travel. I got to go wherever I wanted to do, whatever I wanted to do. I took some staycation time where I just kind of stayed at home and watched everybody else go to work. I took some, went to some hiking, did some horseback riding, slept in, took some naps, read some books. Uh, got to drink a couple of beers at lunchtime, uh, which is not something you got to, we ordinarily get to do in our line of work. Um, and did a lot of travel and also did a lot of uh, professional development too. I would say it was the most, one of the most, one of the seminal events of my professional career. Um, it came about, I would say it was an evolution. Uh, and I think, you know, there's never any one point where you say, like, this is when it happened, although there's a series of way stations. Uh, you know, I, I, I have a family history of uh, cardiac, uh, cardio uh, issues, and uh, we went to see the uh, cardiologist, and he said that you've got a lot of stuff going on in there. And as a matter of fact, he, he sat there in front of my wife and said, you've got what's called the Widowmaker. And I said, okay, well, that's, that's, that's the wake up call. And I would say that was probably one of the turning points that got me thinking, okay, there's got to be something more than the go, go, go of what we do. Um, we, uh, you know, worked with the, between that and some, some coaching I got, I said, you know, I really got to take a step back because we're, 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 we're on a treadmill, uh, kind of like, like a, like a hamster wheel that you just can't stop. When you're when you're not working, you're thinking about work. And the, a, um, a therapist friend of ours recommended that I take a sabbatical, and it seemed like a stunning idea. Like, okay, just step back. I thought only the college professors can do that. But I realized, you know, in thinking about it, 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 it was just the perfect idea, the perfect solution. I didn't want to stop working. I just kind of wanted to hit the pause button for a while. So that's how it all started out. Um, it, it, it was amazing. Um, uh, I, I'd recommend it to everybody. Wow. Well, that, that is amazing, Chris. And you said 
bunch of different really good things. I kind of want to unpack it a little bit. I don't know quite where to start. Let's let's um, let's let's back it up a little bit because I, I you said several things that got you there, but one of the most important things that you said in my mind was that you had you yourself had met with some sort of counselor or something, and that's that's okay. That's not only okay; it's a good idea for what we do as lawyers is to talk to other people. Sometimes we, at least I can be a bit insular inside and, and be in my own cone of silence or bubble, whatever you want to call it. So in the counseling aspect of things, was that part of the, the, the heart condition or was that separate? I mean, as, as, as you feel comfortable answering, I don't, I don't want to put you too much. Yeah, it, it was, it's just part of a professional development and personal development that we, we seek experts. So, uh, you know, we, we see a counselor and uh, it's good to have, it's kind of like getting a tune up. Uh, you talk to a counselor, you say what's working, what's not working. Uh, I also had a coach uh, to guide me through the process. And, um, you know, it's something that, that I think healthy people do mm-hmm. stay healthy. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's, um, I think it's awesome. I love the, the term tune up. I think it's uh, maybe as you get older, you realize that, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to reach out to other professionals that as lawyers, we tend to always provide answers and guidance and reassurance. And maybe sometimes um, in order to do that, as I like to say, his physician heal thyself. I mean, it's, it's okay to go talk to somebody. It's not a weakness in character. It's not a weakness or in personality or a flaw, right? No, I, I think, uh, you know, we, our profession is one that value, you know, proposes to value being tough and being invulnerable. And I think that that's unrealistic. I think we've got to get out there and say, Hey, you know, I've got to talk to somebody just like our clients have to talk to us as experts. We have to talk to other people as experts. We don't have all the answers. We've got to turn to other people and ask for help. Yes, that's, that's very true. In fact, um, I mentioned in the intro, we talked about, and you and I kind of grew up together in Charlotte, um, and we've seen, at least I remember seeing, I call them flame outs, where I see a really, really good lawyer really kind of knocking them dead. And then all of a sudden there's this, they've just, they flamed out. Everything just cut off. They're, they're going right. at, at Mach 3 and, and then things happen. In our profession, um, they, and they did a study on this recently. Um, it was within two or three years recently. Um, the numbers are not encouraging. Things are not getting better in the mental health, substance abuse aspect of lawyers. Um, so kudos uh, for you um, for doing that, and thank you for sharing that. I didn't know that. Um, that's really amazing. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, I think it's important to, po- to, that, that, to point that out because there's, uh, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of value in talking to experts. Uh, you know, clients come to us, and we're the we're their experts, and we have to talk to other people as their experts, uh, and go to see, seek seek out their expertise. If you're not doing something new for wellness purposes, uh, you're you're going to flame out. You're going to be one of the lawyers that we've seen through our careers, through our decades, of uh, just you know flaming out, and uh, one day they're not there, or one day they're in trouble. Right. And not there can mean a lot of different things, um, right? Including not practicing law anymore, um, right? And I have getting seen. In, go ahead. Getting in trouble, yeah. Or, in or trouble, some yeah. you think about the lawyers we've seen. Uh, you know, you you see them on a Friday, and then you uh, come Monday. Uh, you know, 
you find out that they something happened. They had a heart attack over the weekend, and they're not there anymore. They're, they're not. They, they've. They're gone. And oh, we're pre- preparing yeah. the memorial service, and we're preparing. Uh, you know, how do we help their clients navigate through the the the, the system now? Boy, you you hit a you hit it on the on the nail on the head, Chris. I can remember listening to David Teddy's eulogy of. Um, uh, a, a very fun, Bruce. yeah, Bruce, Bruce, um, that we all knew um, for years, one of the best lawyers I ever knew, just a super nice guy. And I can think of just going through that, boy, just a flood of uh, memories have come back of the different lawyers, just in the Mecklenburg County court system, who at very young ages, I mean, some of them in their 30s, um, you know, did not, um, well, did not, weren't, and I don't know what, what, what happened. Things happen to people in life. But uh, one day they're there and one day they're not. Right. And um, I don't think our profession, unfortunately, is, um, well, let's just say we have room <laughs> to improve. Yeah. Um, I'll leave it at that. Um, let me ask a couple of questions and getting back to this sabbatical. Um, I'm, I think all of us are kind of on a forced sabbatical. Of course, we don't get to travel the world um, going to exotic places and meeting interesting people. Uh, how did you, how did you prepare for it? I mean, Chris, you are, you are a lawyer's lawyer. You are a courtroom person. You are there in court every day, every session you do state court, you do federal court. I mean, you, you're one of the busiest lawyers I know. And one of the balance issues I have in my life is just trying to figure out how to manage dockets. It's not counseling the client. It's not prepping for a co- uh, trial. It's sitting in the dang courtroom waiting or, and I don't mean disrespect anybody, it's just the nature of the beast, but calendaring is such a huge and important issue. How did you prepare for your sabbatical uh, calendaring? Well, it took a lot of engineering to do that. Uh, first, of, and it took, I think the first and most important step I took was I set my mind that, okay, come June 1st of 2016, I am going to be on a three-month sabbatical. I am not going back to the office until September 1st of 2016. And how do I make that happen? And that has to be at the forefront of your mind that this is a done deal is going to happen. uh, And you're going to make it happen and do what it takes to make it happen within the bounds of ethics and the law and and, and so forth. Uh, But you have to set your mind to it. And once you set your mind to it, everything else falls in place. Uh, I would say that it was an engineering process. It was kind of like herding cats, but all the cats got herded in the end. And I think it's a lot to do with, with, with my, uh, my own uh, prayer life. Uh, I think this is where I, this is where I called to be. And it was also where I set my mind to be. Um, I got a coach to help me work through the process and kind of work through all the ups and downs and, uh, the roadblocks and the stumbling blocks. I also got a found a very good local lawyer. I think you know him, Corey Rosenfield. Mm-hmm. Excellent lawyer, honest as a day is long. He agreed to basically babysit my practice for three months. We had worked it out that uh, he would, whatever cases came in, he would uh, uh, we'd we'd work to collaboratively on that. Some uh, he got some new business out of it, which is which is great. Uh, some of my uh, more stalwart clients, stalwart clients uh, who had trouble during that time, he would basically do the triage and he would, uh, as they say in the ER, stop the bleeding. 
get them situated, make sure there's no orders for arrest and warrants, and get them situated, then continue the case over until September when I, had, when I was planning on coming back. Uh, so he, he and I had worked that out, and we had a good amount of contact leading up to that. I would say that I only came into the office for two hours during that entire three-month period just to kind of like sign some checks and sign some things that need to be signed. Uh, so getting a coach, getting somebody who is trustworthy and capable to cover your practice, and I think that's actually easier said than done mm. uh, because I think a lot of lawyers would be honored to be asked to cover the practice of a colleague, uh, and they also want to help that colleague uh, take some time off. The third step is talking with your staff, making sure that they know, okay, I'm going to go away for a while. I will be available by phone or by email, but I'm not coming in the office. I will come back. You're not losing your job. Your jobs are safe. We have, you know, we have money in the bank to, to pay for you if, if, if things, you know, things get slow during this three-month period. Uh, and reassuring them that there's still a place for them at, at the back end of this. Uh, fourth step, I would say, would be to talk with the, your adversaries into the court and say, look, you know, I know this is unusual, but would you mind working with me on this? And would you mind not scheduling my cases during this time period? And I primarily practice in Mecklenburg County, although I have some, some cases in Cabarrus County uh, and also have cases in federal court. And overall, the the DA's office and the U.S. Attorney's office and the court systems in federal and state court they were exceptional exceptional about working with me. They, they I think I had built a reputation as somebody mm -hmm. who doesn't not show up in court, so I had a little bit of credit in the bank with them on that. But they were exceptional about working with me and saying, "Okay, need some time off? That's fine." I didn't have anybody in custody at the time, so that, that was one less problem to deal with. And uh, they just agreed to you know, not call my cases for trial during that time period. It, it was quite a, I think it was a, quite a topic of conversation because it's unprecedented, but I also think that there was a lot of support for it. I think people said like, wow, I wish I could do that, or maybe I can do that. And I think I probably planted some seeds in some people's minds about what maybe they will probably can do it, maybe I can do it also. And then, of course, uh, one of the last steps is making sure your clients are okay with it, saying, hey, uh, I want to take some time off. Are you okay with that? If you're not okay with it, I will refer you to another lawyer who will be available during that time period. And if you are okay with it, I do appreciate it. And uh, let's work together on this because you're going to have a better lawyer coming back at the, at the back end of this with somebody who's refreshed and recharged and who's reinvigorated. So it was a... It was herding cats. I'd probably would say it was about six or seven cats that had to be herded, but they all got herded. It all got worked out pretty well, and uh, everybody was was cooperative. It's almost like uh, like there was an unseen hand of providence guiding this whole process through, uh, to for, so I can take some time off. Uh, and, it, and I think it did come down in the again. I can't stress enough that it's important that you set your mind to, to do that in the beginning that, okay, this is going to happen. This is where I, I, I am called to be. This is where I need to be. And how do I make every, all the pieces fall into place? Sure. And, and um, once again, you, you've said some things that are really, I think, important. Um, I do have a question for you because in, in a fair number of our um, 
listeners are uh, younger lawyers or even law students. And um, I don't know if, if people in the practice even realize this. Heck, I don't know if judges and even DAs uh, realize this. Um, I've yet to ever hear of a judge or a, a, an assistant district attorney ever saying, oh, I got to go ahead and file my secured leave notice. Uh, when you control the calendar, you don't have to do a secured leave right. notice in, in, my no, you, in my mind. You can you kind of make your own hours. Right, which, um, um, well, that's an area for improvement in my humble opinion. But having said that, right. and, and I don't know if uh, younger lawyers or law students realize this, is that, and this is just something that we worked on very hard when um, I was um, within CAJ, uh, I'm modifying the secured leave notice um, and not just for attorney leave, but overall changing the process or processes, I guess it would be to take some time off. Uh, under the rules of professional conduct, we're basically giving uh, three weeks uh, off, five-day segments normally. Uh, they cannot be broken up into individual days. They cannot be sequential. I think you have to give opposing counsel, it's either 90 or 120 days advance notice. You can't um, file a secure leave notice uh, with the purpose and intent of trying to get a continuance or delay something. But I'm not aware of any rule of professional conduct that allows for a, uh, uh, allows for a 90 day, three month or so sabbatical. Is there something that you filed or you said you worked with people? Did you send some letters out? How did that, how did that go? It was, um, it was a collaborative approach. It was not something I could file, of course, because there is no secure leave for three months, although I certainly think there should be some allowance for that. Um, but it was more of a handshake and arrangement deal with, with, with lawyers and, uh, you know, the, my adversaries in the DA's office and also the courts saying, hey, would you mind if I took this time off? And it was kind of a gentleman's agreement uh, to not call my cases during that time period. So uh, there wasn't a notice per se, but uh, that's probably a topic for another day. Sure. And again, for younger lawyers or law students, you may not realize that, that even if you do a notice of secure leave and you file it with the clerk of court and you transmit it to that wherever DA's offices or opposing counsel that you have, um, the week after that, they can throw you right back into a jury trial, which kind of makes it hard to um, maybe enjoy your vacation time with family. Um, again, it's, right. a, it's an area for improvement, but I'm, I'm very glad to hear that um, you're, you're using your adversary, you know, person, the friend on the other side of the aisle of the courtroom. Uh, they were professional and that's what I would expect. In fact, the Mecklenburg County DA's office in my mind has always uh, been very good uh, about that with me personally and um, very understanding uh, of, uh, of that. Um, so I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Chris, let me let me ask you. You may have you may have said this, and I, I and you said there was a lead up time. How long did you give yourself? I know you said you were gonna you know take the next three months off, and if you said it I, and I didn't hear, it, I apologize. But did you give yourself a three month lead up to say this month I'm not here, or was it longer than that? We started. I say the decision was made in late 2015, and I spent the first half of 2016 wrapping up to that getting the working with clients making 
uh, working with the, with the, and again, the, I use the term adversaries, but they really are just, you know, lawyers on the other side of the, of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the DA's office of the courts have been saying, hey, can we do this? Uh, how can we make this work? Uh, what do you need from me? How can I make this process so easier? So I would say it was something that could be ramped up. Uh, it was it, because because it's basically reinventing the wheel here. Uh, I would say that it took about five or six months to put all everything in place to make sure everybody was was, was happy about it. I do think that going forward, since at least in Mecklenburg County, since there's already, already this precedent for it, it probably can be done a little bit faster. But uh, well, my process was about five or six months. Well, and so there is a, a, a rather tra- you know long transitional period. I think that's smart. What some may not realize uh, listening is that it's not like you can just pick up the phone and say, "Hey, I need a date continued." And it's not just a matter of, "Hey, I'm taking a vacation." You have professional responsibilities. You have things that you have to look out in the best interest of the client. And so, I'm sure there was a lot of that going on. And I think you're probably for the sake of being kind, simplifying a little bit, but I'm guessing there was a, a whole lot of work doing this while also trying to manage, you know, day in, day out practice. Right. It was, a, it was, we had, I had to get permission from the clients. And of course, if somebody said, Hey, I need my case resolved quickly. Then now I'd have to say, okay, I'm not the lawyer for you. Can I re- re- refer you to somebody else? But overall people you know, were saying, okay, great. I get a, you know, it, it, I'll see you in September or I'll see you in October. It was, it was not a big, uh, not, not a big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so it worked out and, and I, it, it does come down to setting your mind to it. And I've been told by people like, wow, I could never do that. And, and to that, I, I'd always reply, well, let me ask you this. Let's say you had a family member, your closest and dearest family member who needed your help, undivided attention for three months. Let's say a family member got ill or just needed you there for three months. How would you make that happen? And a light bulb goes on in their head and they realize, hey, I can make that happen. Uh, if it's important enough to me, it can, I can make it happen. Right, right, exactly, and and, and it's, it's it's a conscious decision, is what you're, I'm hearing you say. Right, right. Well, let, let me let me then ask you the next aspect of things because I think in order to do this, to make your mind or set your mind to doing this, you're not at a stage of burnout. You're actually being healthy. You're realizing uh, this is a time that I want to take for me personally and professionally, and maybe it's a bit of a timeout, if you will, uh, to plan to assess, to consider what you're doing personally and professionally. You're, it's a tune-up, if you will, as you said already. Is this what was the impetus for Connelly and Coaching? Was it related to that? Tell me tell me um, about that. Yes, because at the tail end of the end of the sabbatical, I realized, okay, I've done a lot of travel. I've got all, the, all my bucket list uh, checked. And now what, I want, what do I want to do going forward? So I took a, um, I got, got schooled in coaching and I said, I think I've got a real calling for uh, coaching other lawyers to do what I've just been through and doing that kind of work. How do we, uh, how can we set up work-life balance? How can we set up sabbaticals? How can we set up time off? And how can we also set up business development so you develop your business so you actually are, it's, you're thriving and the business is thriving. 
how can we set it up so you are getting what you want out of it? You're getting the kind of clients you want, the client kind of clients who appreciate your work, and they also will pay you for what you're worth. Uh, I would also say that coming back from sabbatical, it was a whole new me. It was a whole new perspective because of the coaching education that I made sure I got during the time period and also the mindset that I came back with. That, when I walked into that courthouse, I realized they don't really need me. The, life, the courthouse will go on without me and my life goes on without it. And that was a big weight off my shoulder when I realized that, okay, I, you know, life goes on. Uh, I can take time off and, uh, and things will not collapse. That whole sense of self-importance really took, took, a, took, a, took a bit of a turn at the, at the, uh, uh, during the course of that three-month sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, um, well, that's powerful. Um, there, there's no small amount of ego on my side, I, I admit it, and um, it's something I, I work it's on. It's what we do. Uh, you, you know, we can't stand up in a courtroom full of people and advocate for an unpopular position unless you've got, you've got a unless you've got a massive, you know, ego. And that's, that's mm-hmm. part of what, what drives us. It's also a downfall. Um, I think that's part of yeah, what drives us to, to yeah, it's some a blessing of our, and a curse. And Chris, frankly, um, um, I think it's an absolute fabulous idea that you're doing. I think it's an absolute natural transition for you. Um, I, I personally have, are, have, have done something similar going more into adding different practice areas and forcing myself to educate um, myself on different areas of law. And, um, and even doing this, doing the podcast is something that I, I really enjoy because I, I like, I, I've been so blessed with knowing some of the best lawyers in North Carolina as friends and being able to impose upon our friendship uh, mm-hmm. to say, tell me, tell me more. And I think um, this is something as, as the bar grows, I don't know your, I'm not going to ask you your bar number, but our, our bar numbers are relatively low <laughs> compared to They're some. They're pretty low, yeah. And um, we recently taught a, um, a CLE, um, and CLE is Continuing Legal Education in, in Wilmington. And um, I, did a, I, I did a kind of a questionnaire, and we had people uh, that were attending who were very, very low bar numbers, um, not even in the tens of thousands. And then we had some... If I remember correctly, I think we had someone in the uh, fifty thousand range. You were there, Chris. I don't. Do you remember that? I do. I remember that there was my bar number is in about nineteen thousands. I remember there was somebody there. So I've got a five digit bar number. I remember. I think there was somebody there with a with a five di- a four digit bar right, number, right, wasn't there? Right. I think it was a four digit, and then there was a fifty thousand. I think our bar numbers are about the same. Mine's in the nineteen right. uh, range as well. And for y'all, don't. The point is, is that the more members of the bar that are admitted, the more the higher the numbers go up. And when we first started um, in the Charlotte metro area, it was like I was the first new attorney in the courtroom for since you. I think you may have been there a year or two ahead of me and you'd actually had some experience before I did. But I remember being a new thing to almost uh, play with in court with TOs mm-hmm. and clerks and deputies. You're like, oh, that's the new guy. Uh, Tony Purcell, yeah, right. Tony Purcell and I started at the same time. We graduated law school together. Another absolutely fabulous lawyer, and um, uh, we were. Uh, I mean, it was it was unheard of, and everyone we had to learn who everyone else was in the system. That level of community in Charlotte 
has changed tremendously. Um, and um, with the use of technology now, I think, and, and even now because of the coronavirus, we're even more um, separated from one another socially, personally, professionally. So, um, well, with your, with your, your coaching, Chris, let me, and, and I know you do more than just work with more than just lawyers, but I'm, because this is a law talk podcast, uh, lawyers, I think are a different animal, if you will. Right. And, um, and, and, um, in some ways good, in some ways bad. Um, and is your, I mean, tell me a little bit about, because I think you're, you're, you, there has to be a mentor-mentee type of relationship, even if it's a more seasoned attorney. But there are a couple of things I want to hit on. First, um, the, the, the coaching is a great idea in normal times um, just to make you a better person, a better lawyer. But given what we're dealing with right now, with an, an, an unprecedented historic shutdown of our court system, large largely. I think this is a great time for even young lawyers to say, is this what I want to be doing? And how am I going to survive and transition this coronavirus? And tell me, Chris, I think your services as a coach are more important now than they were 45 days ago. Not that they weren't important before, but this is a historic time. I think this is the time to call Chris Connolly up and say, Chris, I, I need to take a look at my practice in my life and what I'm doing. If you could kind of jump in there, to, do you agree with me? Absolutely. This is, I have never seen anything like this before. In, and I've been practicing since 1988. I've never seen a court, a court system shut down statewide for, I guess, what's that, two and a half months is from mid-March until the 1st of June. That is absolutely unprecedented on a civil, criminal level. Uh, I was in federal court yesterday on a sentencing case, and uh, I've never seen, you know, people Zooming, you know, having court personnel coming in on Zoom, not being physically present there, or trying to, you know, advocate for clients through a mask. Uh, this, is un, an, un, this, is, this is uncharted territory. Uh, and I think there's a lot of lawyers who are probably beating themselves up saying, hey, how am I going to make it through this? Why didn't I see this coming? Why didn't I plan better? You can't plan for something like this. This is the proverbial black swan in the, in, in the stock market. Uh, you can't foresee this kind of, of event, uh, but you can make the best use out of it. You can, this can be an excellent time to, first of all, reassess what you do. Maybe this is not the career for you. Maybe being a solo practitioner is not, not the career for you. Uh, maybe uh, this is it is, and this is a great time to say, "Hey, I've got two and a half months where I'm not going to be called at the court unless this is something something crazy happens." I'm going to use this time to work on my website, work on my marketing, work on my relationships with people, work on my relationships with people who are referring me cases. I'll check in with them once we say, "Hey, how's it going? What can be done?" Uh, this is a great time, I think, to work on relationships, not revenue, because nobody's going to, if you, if you get paid by somebody in this time period, that's pretty much found money. Uh, I think people don't have the urgency of court looming uh, over their shoulder, so they're not going to be anxious to pay you. And they're also worried about, do I need this money to pay for a bill now or three months from now because the recession is going to hit? So it's going to be a tough time to try to uh, collect receivables, but this is a great time to be working on relationships, 
calling clients, if existing clients that you have, calling referral sources, calling past clients, getting an, an email email list going or a uh, social media uh, following where you can uh, keep people in touch. There are, um, I'm not, I, I can't say I'm the only lawyer doing this, and I'm certainly not the first one to think, think of it, but there's a lot of lawyers out there who are posting a lot of things on social media just to, so they could make sure that their client base knows, hey, I'm still out there. If something happens, I'm still out here. And when something does start happening in a couple of months, when the when the world reopens, you're going to need me, so don't forget about me. So this is a, a time for growth. Uh, it's also a time to realize that there's more important stuff that's going on than your law Mm-hmm. You know, how is your family going to remember you during this time? Are they going to remember you as being like the stressed out jerk who was worried about how much money you're not making? Because frankly, nobody is. Uh, and how you know the bills are piling up? Or are they going to remember you as, hey, this is the per- this is you know my mom, my dad, my son, my daughter, my brother or sister who was there for me. We had fun during this time, and we did some adventures. We did some stay at home kind of work, and it was a lot of fun and. Uh, we we got we got a lot closer. That could be that could be the message for this time. Right, and and just to to point out um, for lawyers that are listening, I don't, you don't have to necessarily be full time marketing, foot on the gas, doing all these other things because that may actually the thought of not doing something may instill a higher level of stress. I think what you're trying to say is that this may be, and correct me if I'm wrong. This may be a time for you to do things that you previously have always wanted to do. And the reason I, I, I think you probably believe that is that I was the beneficiary of something you hosted on um, uh, MCCDLA, the uh, Mecklenburg County Criminal Defense Lawyers Association, where the takeaways were maybe it's a time if you want to spend more time with your family or read Tolstoy or get into painting or to, to do something other than, you know, things that we never have been able to do. Is that, is that right? Yes. This is a great time to start working on that, that hobby or that passion project that you've been putting on the back burner, that thing that's been tickling your mind saying, Hey, what about this? You know, I always wanted to try to do this. Now's the time you've got two and a half months off. Uh, no one's going to pull you to court now, unless you got somebody who's in custody. You know, use this time to, to, to learn another language or read a book or spend time with your family or find that hobby that you always wanted to do and uh, didn't have time for it. Now you got the time. Right. And there still is time. I mean, if people say, oh, right. we're, about, we, we're about to open up, we're like, yeah, sort of, <laughs> sort of not. We're kind of at the two-thirds market. Courts are not reopening until June 2nd. So uh, this is about another, you know, month plus of time to, 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 you know, to work on these things. Right. And even with court opening, I think it's, it may be open for administrative matters, but I don't see any litigation going on anytime soon. Um, and I think if, no, there, I don't, if there is any litigation, go ahead. I don't either. I think there's going to be a lot of catch up. There's like all these administrative court dates for two and a half months that have been continued. I, uh, and there's a massive backlog of stuff. I think they're going, to, they're going to be spending a lot of time doing that as opposed to saying, let's, you know, monopolize the courtroom for a week with a jury trial. Uh, or I think they're not going to do that, although they may do some of that. Uh, but I think they're going to use that courtroom time to say, let's resolve 
uh, you know, a couple dozen cases and get these out of the system so we do have time to do the jury trials and the heavy-duty litigation later on. Well, for several different reasons. First, um, there, I don't, I don't know if people don't realize this, but, and, and I occasionally tell clients, I mean, y- you have a ticket and your ticket is the, the most important thing in your life or your DWI in Charlotte is the most important thing in your life. Not necessarily so with the court system. There are literally thousands, if not tens of thousands of matters and hats off to DA's office because they have been going in and moving cases and, and it's, you know, moving upon moving or we call them continuances in district court. In Superior Court, uh, as a practical matter, and you have to think about this, I mean, if we phase in the two or three phases that the governor's talking about, a jury trial is not conducive to social separation. You've got 12 people sitting literally on top of one another. You've got, right. you've got documents and evidence that you're passing back and forth between witnesses. And um, uh, it's... You know, the jury room is a tight is a tight quarter, and just going into the, the the jury pool veneer rooms, you know, people are on top of one another, and you know, sitting next to a client, you know, how are you supposed to speak to a client, communicate it to a client quietly, confidentially, and maintain a level of separation? So I think right. there's that aspect. Just the the, and I don't know where I think there's going to have to be some changes. There may have to be some rule changes regarding how these things take place. More than that, I think there's going to be a focus necessarily on the in-custody people, the people who are in jail, um, to handle their matters first. So there will be, getting through the backlog of all these other cases, it's, there's going to be an assessment of where are we, where have we received discovery on these cases, uh, have there been plea officers, anything that we can work through and just pound through stuff administratively. And then when we start doing trials, I think there's going to be a focus on people that are in custody to get to help. Yeah, to, it's, it's, it's going to take, it's going to, Nothing. They're not going to start impaneling juries on June first or June second. They're going to. There's a big backlog of stuff to untangle. Uh, all these cases that were supposed to have been heard during this two and a half month period, they're going to have got to be first in the hopper. So, and plus whatever cases came in were initiated during this time. Those cases will have to stand behind the cases that were older than you know, the case that started at the end of last year. So. There, there's, there's been a massive backlog that's been, that's been created here. Right. So the point being, not just to our clients who are wondering when is my case going to be tried, but to your potential new lawyer, client, and counseling, you got a month. You probably have some more than that. And even if you do have yeah. some matters, um, you're going to be, like it or not, I don't see things transitioning very, very quickly, you're going to still have time to um, do these different things. Now, Chris, you, we've, we've gone over and I've got, gosh, I got at least another 50 or 60 questions I'd like to ask you here. Um, so um, maybe, maybe I can talk you into to do another one of these episodes at some point, but sure. let's, let's, let's do this first. If I am a, uh, a, a younger lawyer, a newer lawyer, and I don't like to say old lawyer, but a more seasoned lawyer, how do I get a hold of you for, for counseling or uh, 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 coaching? You can call me on my cell phone. It is the number is nine eight zero two six three eight three six six. Again, nine eight zero two six three eight three six six, or email me at cconnolly at connollydefense dot com. And you also have a website for your uh, coaching. Is that correct? 
That's correct. And there's a, that gives us some more information about coaching, uh, coaching services. And that is Connolly-coaching.com. So my name, my last name, hyphen-coaching.com. And it's C-O-N as in November, N as in November, right. E-L-L, Lima, Lima, Yankee. So Connolly, right. correct? Well, and I, I really encourage people um, during this time, uh, during this transition as lawyers, uh, new and seasoned, to give Chris a call. I've known the guy for 30 years, and I cannot think of a better person who has real world in the trenches experience, who has run a business, someone I've always admired. And I'm, you know, Chris and I aren't law partners. Uh, we're actually technical competitors in the business. I, I, I don't, I try not to use that term because I see us all as friends in, in the profession, but this isn't some guy who just decided to do this uh, willy-nilly. This is a person who has spent literally more than three decades helping people in court, navigating uh, the court system and the calendars, navigating the work-life balance, navigating uh, staff and all that. This is, You are a, a font of information, so I highly, highly recommend Chris and, and his. Well, um, thank you. Now, we talked about work-life balance and... Um, I don't know, you know. I, I can tell from your from your West Gaston Gastonia accent. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me about the horse thing, brother. I got I got to ask. How did you get into horses? Uh, I know one other attorney in Charlotte who's a horse person, but I've always seen these incredible pictures and videos of you riding a horse. Um, I think that's an amazing thing that you do. I, I love it. I mean, some lawyers have golf, some lawyers have tennis, some lawyers have yoga. I my horse is, is is all three of those, all three of that. It is my time. It's a, I'm alone and I'm in the woods, and it's just you know me and God and nature, and it's it's quiet time. I get my best uh, thoughts when I'm when I'm when I'm riding my horse. As a matter of fact, I've done some coaching sessions with clients. While I'm riding the horse, I put on the, uh, the, the, the Bluetooth earphones and I just dial them in and we have a phone conversation. I have done some of my best coaching sessions with clients while I'm riding my horse through the woods because my mind is quiet. It's still, uh, I'm in my happy place and my best coaching ha- happens when, when, when I'm on it. That's amazing. I, um, and if it, I was joking, most Chris is not from, Gastonia. Chris is from north of the Mason-Dixon line, and very uh, north. And uh, where where are you from originally, Chris? New York City. Okay. And um, I'm assuming you didn't do a lot of a whole lot of dressage up in New York City. Um, no, we did not. We didn't even do a whole lot of horses up in New York City. Uh, matter of fact, the only time we saw horses in New York City was when the police officers mm-hmm. were riding them. But mm-hmm. it was just something that always like I liked watching Western movies when I was a kid and just something about it that made me always want to do that. And uh, lo and behold, here I am. And this is, this is kind of horse country. And so horse, perfect fit. Right. And horses are, are work. Um, yeah. And, and a loving work. You, you keep yours. Um, how, do you have one or two? Do you have more horses? I mean, I don't... I've got one. I keep them down on the Greenway, the Ann Springs Close Greenway and down in Fort Mill. And yeah, they're, 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 they're a lot of work. You, you can't just like, throw a saddle on them and go ride them. You got to clean them and groom them and take care of them and catch them and, uh, uh, you know, figure out where they are. It's kind of like riding a motorcycle, except this motorcycle has a mind of its own. And if, if he's having a bad day, you know, it's going to be quite the thrill ride. 
Right. And what's his name? His name is Dusty. Dusty. Dusty and Chris. And uh, I actually, um, where you keep your horses is actually is beautiful. It's across the it's across the border in South Carolina. And if you ever get a chance, to go down there. They have uh, a neat little lake, and they've got a place where um, I don't well I don't know if it's open right now, but um, you can walk the pathways down there during the summertime. They have kayaks. Um, there are a lot of people running their horse paths around there. Bike um, path. Bike path, right? There's even a path called um, is it Billy's Path or Billy's? You, I remember you. Billy's Walk. Billy's Walk. <laughs> I was out there. I was just on it a couple of days ago. Yeah. Right. I I, I went out there with my family. Um, we we made this is my daughter's last year in high school, and she's about to go off to college. And we made a conscious decision to as spend as much time as we can together, but out together outside. And we've done a lot of different paths, and that and Springs close. Um, Greenway. Greenway is um, is amazing, and it's just um, it's in. Is it technically Fort Mill, or is that considered Rock Hill? That's Fort Mill. It's it's two thousand acres, and it's about twenty miles of trail. And it's it's neat. There's a little river that runs through it, and there's some there some, is uh, some houses, a couple that, lakes too, and a nice right. little restaurant. Right, and they just um, on the back side of the where the peach tree side is. I don't know if that's five twenty one or the road that goes in the back side of uh, Cherry Road, Rock Hill. They, they have a family area, and there's lots of outside seating, and um, it's on the backside of a peach orchard. It's really a neat kind of place to go, um, just hang out. Uh, again, this was before the corona, so I can't say things are open now. Are, are things open? I mean, obviously, you're riding every day. So The, uh, the trailways are open now, uh, but the restaurant is closed uh, except for takeout or uh, phone-in orders. So right. it, it's, it's kind of different, but it's a lot better than being closed altogether. Right. Well, Chris, I, I do want to thank you so much uh, for your gift of time. Uh, we'll put a pen in it there because I do want to uh, ask you more questions. I had all kinds of questions about how you start the relationship up on um, this career coaching and what are the steps you take. I wanted to talk to you about how you became a lawyer. And so I've got a lot of, of, of other questions to ask you. But, uh, Chris, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. It was a, it was a great, great talking to you. And we, uh, we all miss each other. Yeah, I hope to see you soon. All right. Good talking to you, Bill. You too, Chris. You've been listening to Law Talk with Bill Powers, your resource for answers to your most pressing legal questions on your time. Ready to discuss your matter now? Call 704-342-HELP for your free and totally confidential consultation. That's 704-342-4357. Law Talk with Bill Powers is an educational resource only. The information presented on this podcast does not constitute legal advice and is not a substitute for consulting with an attorney. Every situation is unique. Therefore, you should always consult with a licensed attorney before making any legal decisions. Thanks for listening.